You're listening to a podcast from The Stage, the world's oldest and best theatre publication, thestage.co.uk. Hello, here are some of the reasons I love The Fringe. In the past week I've seen a show about a Welsh couple who steal a 13-year-old boy from Lidl, one about a long-lost recording by Nick Drake, a satirical musical about the dangers of marijuana, I've seen a woman dressed as a man mixing concrete using champagne, and a piece about a woman who finds a man with his head stuck in a wheelie bin. It's that variety, all those moments of sitting in a show and thinking, how on earth did they come up with this, that make it so exciting and so worthwhile. Alas, it's soon coming to an end, and this is our penultimate episode, but it's not over yet. So to business, thanks as ever to Mobius for supporting this podcast. Now, before I chat to Paul Vale about what to see, here's comedian and activist Mark Thomas. Mark has an impressive track record at the Fringe with shows that combine autobiography, stand-up comedy and political activism. His latest show, The Red Shed, is no exception. So I asked him, what is The Red Shed, The Place and what is the show? The Place is a Red Shed Labour Club. It is a wooden single story, 47 foot long socialist shed. It is in Wakefield. It is in Vicarage Street. I started performing there. Those were the first sort of public performances. I was a drama student and I got involved in sort of the minor strike and all sorts of stuff there and I'd perform shows there with my mates. We'd write and perform there. And they were really our first sort of public performances. Um, the show is about how I go back, and I've always gone back there, but how I go back to help celebrate the shed and I try and find out if a memory that I have of walking back with the miners, marching back with the miners at the end of the strike when they had been defeated at the end of a year and they marched back to work through the villages and uh, we passed a, a playground with school children in it and the children were singing Solidarity Forever to the miners and I try and find the playground and try and find the school and try and find the children to see if the story is true, how much of it is true. It seems that over the last few years, your work sort of moved slightly away from stand-up comedy more towards theatre. So how conscious has that been? I think it's not just a slight shift. I think it's been moving that way for years and it's conscious. I'm very happy that it is like this. I started out as a stand-up and I love stand-up, but I'm not a stand-up. I haven't been a stand-up for years. Um, What I've been obsessed with is how you make stories and how you make shows that reflect truth that actually kind of document and become documentary pieces as well as kind of interesting stories and how you can create a show and how you involve the audience how you bring them into it I, I do things I go and do things and that becomes the narrative I love the fact that actually the show's a little bit of a mixture of stand-up and theatre and there's a whole load of performance art stuff that goes into the back end of it and a bit of journalism I'm very happy to go toe-to-toe with anyone on the Fluxus art movement of my work I love it you mentioning a second ago about involving the audience and the Red Shed does get audience members involved so first of all how do they get involved and second what is it about involving audience members why do you choose to do that well firstly everyone has to get involved because they have to sing I make people sing and whistle and shout and do all sorts of things throughout the show and they become the soundtrack I get them to be the soundtrack at one point but also I, I talk to people in the queue and get six volunteers who will come and sit on stage with me and they'll lift up masks and so I get them to be the various people that the show mentions so these are my friends these are people I know we take photographs we made masks of them you know I think it's really important to take care of those people and to show them consideration and not move them out of their comfort zone but offer them a chance to play for me the, the, the reason I want to do it is because Actually, I want people to feel that they're in a community. I want them to feel that in this room we are all bound together and we are important in a community because that's what the show is about. It's about community. 
in fact all you know and I've often said this that actually whether people like it or not if you're at my gig it's a community that's what that's what it is while you're in Edinburgh the show's on at the Traverse and I think perhaps audience members don't necessarily expect that level of participation from a Traverse show and it's again that kind of vestige maybe of, of stand-up and 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 you calling your show a gig as well which kind of infuses your show yeah there is a section of the Traverse audience which is um that kind of like we come every year and we see every show they're very much like oh we want to see what's happening in the world of the arts god bless them and thank them for coming along one of the things that the trav does which i think is really nice is reach past that and get in audiences who are younger and and, and certainly different which is nice i read that the met police's file on you calls you a general rabble rouser do you think that this show is slightly less rabble rousing than previous work I think this show is, is it's full of yearning, to be honest. So it is, it hopefully enthuses people with a sense to go forward. I mean, we, there's certainly stuff about the fast food workers that I've been involved in, which is genuinely, you know, where we're starting to have results and it's really exciting. I mean, it's really brilliant when you get people. I talked to some people who are like 20 year old kids who are just, who are union organizers in McDonald's and they're the most exciting people I've met in bloody years. They're fantastic. So all that kind of work, then that gets mentioned in the show. And so there's, there's still a bit of rabble rousing, but I think it's full of, there's a bit more reflection and full of yearning, but also it's about the very much, I've called it a topical tale about the miners' strike, which I think it is, um, because it's very much about what's happening now and about those communities that have been left and where they are and what they're doing. Um, right, and that's particularly interesting because presumably you've been writing the show for a while, but just the last couple of months have seen so much kind of turmoil politically, you know, not least of all Brexit. So have you had to kind of adapt the show as you've gone along or, or are you kept it as it? It's great. It means that well, I write the show as I go along. So it means that the events that happen become part of the show. So the show is accidentally topical. I mean, you say accidentally topical, but there must be an element of intention behind that. Of course there is. Of course there is. You know, the, the, I didn't foresee the Brexit vote. Although I was actually, I was going to vote leave up until uh, a month before the campaign where I just thought, if you're going to turn this into a plebiscite on immigration, there is no way I'm supporting this. I think there's lots of good reasons for Britain to leave, actually, about which about, you know, actually we get a chance to rewrite. You know, it, Maastricht is a legal document that binds us into privatisation. But actually, the things that stopped me were the, the, the way that immigration was used and also the fact that actually we were going to get one of the most right-wing governments we've ever seen on the back of it. I found it really interesting because this, these were the heartlands, Labour's heartlands, that have just um, turned against them in the way that, that Scotland has and the way that Wales is beginning to. Now, one of the downsides of recording anywhere in Edinburgh that you're likely to face a bit of background noise. So at this point, a large school group started parading past us, flyering and singing a song from the musical that they're putting on. What I hope is that people... I love this. This is... Uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, God bless them. It's a school production. And that's nice, isn't it? I do really like all the... I go and see a couple of student productions and stuff. Just because some of them, well, some of them will take you by surprise. Yeah, that's and the thing. I love the fact that people are running up and down the place. You know, this is a really great learning thing for them. My mate Peter says everyone has got the right to go to college, dye their hair, lose their virginity, and act like an arse, and they should be able to do it unencumbered with debt. And I mean, Edinburgh does that apart from the unencumbered with debt bit. It's yeah. an expensive place to be. Although I love the free fringe. There's mates of mine are doing the free fringe, and they, you know, they've got people that they know up here. It's brilliant because for them it means that all they need to do is cover their publicity. Mm -hmm. And actually, 
they can make money. They can come up here, they can do a run of 21 shows or more. They get that experience, they get that exposure, they improve as performers. Right. And also someone I was talking to was saying that you get that money instantly. You don't have to wait till you know, September, October for people to pay, pay out. You pass the bucket round, which is great. That was Mark Thomas, and the Red Shed is on at the Traverse at different times, depending on which day you go. Now, Paul Vale and I found a quiet corner of Edinburgh to trade tips on the shows we've seen. We're heading for week four, both seen loads of shows. Um, so a few days later, what is your top tip? I'm looking now at a couple of shows that I saw actually in my first week up here. Okay. At Sea Venues, there were two shows, and they've stuck with me. They've stuck in my mind as the type of show that I want to go back and see again. The first one was A Common Man, the mm-hmm. bridge that Tom built, a one-man play about Thomas Paine. He wants to be a pirate. It was when pirate was a job option, I suppose. <laughs> but the ships had sailed without him and sank that day, so he was quite lucky. He moved to America from Norfolk, I think it was, and became one of the founding fathers. And it's his story, and he then kind of like angered George Washington. They didn't get on very well. So he left and got welcomed with open arms in Paris uh, post-revolution. He then was the only person who voted against beheading Louis Uh, So we then got chocolate in France. (laughs) I had no idea what it was going to be about. Got in there and he was just completely engaging Mm. and very, very funny as well. Such an interesting story considering I've never seen or heard of this gentleman. So who's that by? It's by Dominic Allen, Mm -hmm. who also stars in the piece. He's a regular on the fringe. I would recommend it. I might go back, I might revisit it because it was such a hot... When I first turned up in Edinburgh, it was such a heartwarming piece. It has such a good message at the end because it's about equality. So A Common Man, the bridge at Tom built, and that's on at Sea Venues, 8.15, almost every day. Yes. And then uh, another one at Sea Venues. It was a charming piece called Tomorrow Maybe. Okay. It's set in a cafe, and it's about people who meet each other in this cafe and, you know, the traffic that passes through. And it's not it's not an original story, and it's a very difficult story to engage in because, mm. of course, you're meeting people for one song and that's all you're going to meet them and for. And not really getting a depth of character, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's very, very difficult to find that depth of character. But what I particularly loved about it was the writing. Right. The songs were beautiful, really, really gorgeous ballads and nice mix of upbeat, up-tempo songs and beautifully performed. There are some wonderful harmonies and a brilliant design. I mean, it's all in this tiny room. It's been turned into a coffee shop. They call it a piece of immersive musical theatre, but really it's actually just a very, very small room. I think if they'd done any sort of theatre in there, it would appear immersive because they were, <laughs> you just have to, basically you're sitting on the stage when you go in. Yeah. And who's that written by? Um, that's written by um, Stephanie Jane Amos, did the music and lyrics, and Teddy Clements. Mm-hmm. And that's, but, again, C venues, 3.15 or 12.30, depending on what you're doing. That's right. Yeah. What, what about you, uh, Tim? What well, you, uh... speaking of immersive, I saw something called Counting Sheep, which lots of people have been talking about, and I was really worried wasn't going to live up to the buzz, but, oh, my God, it completely does. So, essentially, you take part in the Maidan revolution from Ukraine in 2014, which was a revolution against the president, Viktor Yanukovych, who ignored a a European trade deal to go with a Russian trade deal, essentially. So it's in the King's Hall, and you go in and you're sitting around this really long table, and all the performers are wearing masks, and they sing these 
beautifully layered Ukrainian folk songs and these kind of really rich harmonies. And then about halfway through these tables that you're sitting at just get upended and turned into a massive barricade and you're just a part of this revolution and meanwhile footage of the actual revolution is being projected onto sheets hanging above the the theater and it's just an extraordinary piece i mean it's a completely new way of doing immersive theater it seems to me it just feels like it's doing completely its own thing combining so many different media you know video song it's just really one of a kind and there are they are a ukrainian company called lemon bucket orchestra and as singers they are spot on they're so phenomenal and then as theater makers it's just incredible it's a really exhilarating piece to be a part of so that's that's my my top tip and then the other thing which is such a quiet gentle piece but really really moving in in lots of ways it's called dancer and that's at dance base and it was the last piece that performance maker adrian howells worked on before he died and he died in 2014 very sadly his mantra was this phrase it's all allowed and it's so evident in this piece so ian johnston is a man with learning and communication difficulties and gary gardner the other performer is a classically trained dancer but in this piece the distinction doesn't really matter because it's about who has the right to dance and obviously the answer is anyone anyone can dance you don't need the training to just sort of bob along to your favorite song and there's bits where they lie on the floor and they just sort of intertwine their hands and their feet um, and it's set to this brilliant kind of poppy soundtrack there's kylie in there there's pharrell williams in there there's some nick cave as well and then at the end the audience is invited to get up and dance and by this time i mean I am not a dancer at no, all. No. And, you know, it takes a huge amount, usually drink, for me to get up and dance. <laughs> but the atmosphere that this piece sets up is so warm and accepting. And so you just get up and you bop along to Happy by Pharrell Williams. And it's just really, really sweet and enjoyable. That was Paul Vale. That's it for this penultimate episode. In a couple of days, I'll be talking to singer, actress and cabaret performer Sarah Louise Young, who is appearing in three fantastic shows. She's got some brilliant insights into performing up at the Fringe, so do make sure to listen in. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.